You're listening to another episode of the official British Motor Show podcast for 2021. Brought to you by the Podcast Guys. Enjoy the show. I'm Adam Chambers. I'm at the British Motor Show, first one in 12 years, and I'm with... Robert Dean. So tell me a bit about yourself, Robert. Well, I spent my early years, as we all did, or most of us did at this show, uh, buying old wrecks and uh, doing them up on a shoestring and then smoking them around until they either broke and we scrapped them or uh, <laughs> or we sold them to our mates who then smoked them around. And uh, <laughs> um, But I done, I've done loads and loads of jobs over the years. You know, I always, I always said yes to everything. When everybody says, do you fancy doing that? I go, yeah, why not? That sounds great. Yeah, I worked for the, it's a great attitude. Yeah, I worked for the English National Opera for a time in the wardrobe department. That was a hoot. Is that where you've got your flamboyant style from, if you don't mind me saying? So? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I think maybe it's just something I've developed, but right. probably from the <laughs> from the theatre. But that was great fun. I did uh, motor vehicle engineering for three years at Guildford Tech. Right. Uh, motor vehicle engineering and management and partying uh, for three years, which was very good, mm. and uh, got a high national diploma and ordinary national certificate. But yeah. that course. We did like 14 city and guilds exams and it always makes me laugh when you talk to these young lads today and they go, oh yes, I've done my thing. And I go, how many city and guilds did you do? Only one in the course that I'm doing. Oh, bloody hell. (laughs) I find them hard to understand city and guilds of what level they're at, unless you're an aficionado in that particular area. It's... Well, they call them. I don't think what, they. What I think it? they aren't they an NVQ now. A, a yeah, that's that's a bit more generic, yeah. isn't it? I yeah, think yeah, people yeah, understand yeah, them better. Yeah, yeah. Which I think they needed to. Yeah. Because I don't think people realise you could get them at a very very high level. Mm. Yes, you can. So after that, I I kind of did a number of different jobs. I had my own restoration business. I worked for. You went into that straight away Mm. from. I've always been into cars. I've always restored cars, and I've always always done stuff. What got you into that as a child, or what what inspired you? Generics, I think. I think I was generically implanted in my DNA. Right. My my father loved his cars. Right. And he always had really supercars. You know, really lovely. He he had a. an advertising company in cinema advertising. I don't know if you remember ah, yeah, Pearl and Dean. Pearl and Dean, I was and just about... Did it, did it, did it, did the it. very one. Well, he was the Dean bit. Ah. And uh, and the Pearls were the were the other half, and they had general, uh, general media advertising and yeah. did all the... Uh, so when we were growing up, you know, there was always... Uh, the company was international. It was massive. Ah, no. Uh, it was in Africa, it was in Asia, it was in uh, the Middle East, it was all obviously all over this country, um, and it was just ginormous. Dad slimmed it down to this country, and um, but he always had very nice cars. He, what, and his what, father what? imported American cars. Ah. It was from Bristol. The, the, the family made carriages, horse carriages originally, so if you see a horse carriage with Dean on the hubcap, that was, that was one of the family's ones. Uh, my father's dad liked innovation, and they were the first person in their street to have electric, and he had to persuade five other people to have the cables laid, to have electric in their house. Right. And they were, they ha- they were the first people to have a television during the coronation. You met, yeah, heard those stories. Yeah, yeah. And everyone crowded in. And um, it's, a, it's brilliant of a sort of a, a line from mm. heritage of innovation to show that it's still, it, people say it's looking back, but it's also looking to the future because it's that. It's the mentality that's absolutely yeah important. It's, it's not, seeing not what the people have done. 
is seeing what people have done. How are they innovated then and how... Yeah, and where we go from there. Yeah, yeah. and it's great. So then I, um, I did, you know, as I said, I did bunches of other different things. But then I got a job in Formula One for the Brabham team. Mm. And uh, I was with them for five years, and that was wonderful time, really. It was during the that turbo era. That was on the era. technical side. No, I was in the buying office. Um, ah. So I bought everything from toilet rolls to carbon fiber. We kept the factory going. And uh, nuts and bolts, because they're not just nuts and bolts, they're all NAS bolts, yeah. specialist lightweight aircraft-type bolts and uh, rose joints, and everything was... In fact, uh, uh, in from... Uh, as that job, I used to come to the Farnborough Air Show because I used to come and look at all of the innovations in the aircraft industry and yeah, I would and take see, them and, back yeah. to the drawing office and mm. go, look what I've found. And they go, cool, that's great, isn't it? And then it would go into a Formula One car. Brilliant. That was during the turbo era, 1,000 yeah. horsepower, 1,500 horsepower. So it was a great time. you know. Yeah, definitely. Spewing flame out the back. It was wonderful. <laughs> mm. And less health and safety. Sure. Although we want things to be... It's well, also it's good to get the balance, and some people would differ of where that where well, you draw the line on health that. Health and safety is one of those things. You know, I have this theory that in the generically in the olden days, machinery looked blooming dangerous. Well, and it when was, it, and it, there was big cogs and blades and a cage around it, and you think I'm not going anywhere near there with a stick less than five foot long. Yeah, but of course nowadays machinery is a white enameled box with a little slot, and you think, well, I'll just put my fingers in there to push that thing along, and then it, oh, it's cut the end off. Oh, that's. And so I think health and safety is um, is one of those things because things don't look dangerous now and yeah. common sense like has been an, like an electric, electric car engine mm. yeah. and some of it stops people thinking for themselves of course if you get to driver much, aids I, think. I mean how why have we got driver aids you know lane control and distance control braking control why have we got that surely the driver should be aware enough of what they're doing to be able to do that you know our, our, automatic our, our, things our to put the wipers on yeah i mean why i don't understand it uh, look that to me looks like innovation for innovation's sake mm. having said that of course it does it is the shore uh the shore ground leading up to driverless cars oh, and of course. course all of that in, in, innovation about braking and uh, is all going into those driverless cars and yeah. so maybe that's why they just started well, doing i mean it. for years probably 20 30 years we haven't needed pilots on planes. It's mm. only for p safety perception. Well, only for landing and takeoff. You kind of like having a bloke with the big hat and the scrambled egg on their shoulder to be in the in the pointy end, don't you? When you get up, <laughs> yeah, no. They always have a great a great accent, don't they? This is this is Captain Sunsup. You're going. That's all part of the. Have you noticed how some, flying, some trades have a, have a way of speaking? Doctors have a w of way of speaking to you. Yeah. And pilots have a way of speaking they to do. you. They do. I often wondered, I w often thought it would be very funny to change that way of speaking to a different profession. Can you imagine if you had a bank robber who talked like a, an aeroplane captain? I'm going to be your robber today. Yeah. If you'd like to just put your money in the bag, we'll be getting out of here as fast as we can. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs>
Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how these but you habits... Wouldn't want, uh, you wouldn't want a robber's accent doing a... Get in the plane! Sit down now! Be, be, yeah. I would be terrified. Nobody moves, nobody <laughs> gets hurt. <laughs> See what I spend too much time on my own thinking about stuff like that. There's nothing where your innovation comes from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, having thousands of crazy ideas and narrowing narrowing down yeah. into ones that will work. Yeah, that's right. Try not to tell all of them to everybody because mm. well, before the courts get the, you know, the... The uh, the order for you not to go anywhere near anybody. Yeah, <laughs> but so anyway, what, so with what whilst, are you doing? What are you doing now? Well, I I uh, Brabham, I did a lot of stuff for Bernie Eccleston, private stuff. Right. And I went off and did other things, but then I rang him. I built Caterham Sevens uh, for a time. Ah. Um, for what a private for, for a private company, Raceline Cars. Um, and my friend Pete McEwen, who owned that company, and and his friend. They were. I found myself in a when my restoration company failed when the classic car market bombed. Do you remember at the end of the eighties? I was kind of standing there with nothing. I had no money, no income, no bank oh, accounts. No, no, the the, 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 I, tide, I the had, tide went out and mm, you were seen without your trunks. Uh, it uh, certainly was. Yeah, <laughs> I'm stood there on the pavement with what I stood up in and a and a suitcase. And uh, thankfully, mum and dad had a spare room, and that, literally, that was it. But my friend Pete McEwen gave me a job. Uh, and somewhere to live, uh, for which I'll be ever, forever grateful, and an income. And I went down and I worked for him and built Caterham Sevens. But that market dropped away, and I wrote to Bernie, and I said, do you remember me from Brabham, and have you got a job somewhere? And he rang me at home, frightened the life out of me. He rang me at home and he said, I've got this big collection of cars, come down and have a look at it. So I went down to Biggin Hill. And at the time, it was a dinosaur of a, of a collection. It was just huge. And uh, nothing ran. You know, very few of the cars ran. Very few of them were serviced. <laughs> Almost like a barn find. Kind of. And um, so I rang him back and I said, look, it's fabulous. But I said, you know, there's three years' work just getting everything roadworthy. And he said, well, don't be ridiculous. He said, they're all perfect. And I go, well, they're not. <laughs> I said, you know, there's no batteries in some of them. Some of them don't have brakes. Some of them need servicing. Oh, well, you said you'd better effing well get started then. <laughs> and that was me. Yeah. I, and I started. And, and I went down there. And um, I saw Eddie Baker, who was running the show down there. Uh, who I remember from Brabham, and he said, oh, well, if he's told you to get started, you'd better get started. So Bernie came down about two months later, and I saw him when we shook hands and we said hello, and I said, uh, I said, you know, I haven't got a contract of employment or anything, and he said, do you need one? And I said, well, I said, uh, everybody I've spoken to said your word is good. So I said, let's shake hands on it. And yeah. he said, that's fine by I, me. I like that attitude. And we shook hands, and I was there with him for 24 years on a handshake. With no contract. No contract. Yeah. And, um, of course, mind you, he is a bit tight-fisted. It did take me a bit of time to get a pay rise. Out. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess billionaires are a bit like that, aren't they? You know, yeah. So I did a lot of stuff. Oh, my God. I write uh, an article in um, Magneto magazine. I don't know if you've heard of it. David Lillywhite's no. very kind and lets me write an article in the back about some of my exploits with Bernie. And um, it's a fantastic quarterly magazine, and I'm very proud to be. It's award-winning. 
I'm very proud to be part of it, even in my own little small way. Mm. Um, but gosh, I've done some things. Bernie used to let me, we, we restored a lot of cars. I oversaw the restoration of a lot of cars. So I used to drive the Brabham fan car at Goodwood. If you've seen the Brabham fan car driving at Goodwood, it that would have been me you. driving. I was very proud of the fact that he would never let anybody else drive it. And well, um, it is. And oh, so many things. I've driven so many amazing cars from turbo Formula One cars to the W125 Mercedes to all of his road cars, you know, front engine Grand Prix Ferraris. I drove the three, the 1951 375 Grand Prix car at uh, Bahrain. We did a big event there. And um, uh, which is a whole discussion in itself. I can and I had it Harry Flatters down the start and finish straight, about 160 mile an hour, and uh, which was just an amazing feeling to 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 have that that thing it's galloping. Like, I've read that these speeds, they physiologically affect your your hormones. You can't help but well, you get you the get the adrenaline and the yeah. smile and the other effects. The uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not pheromones. It's um, endorphins. Oh, endor- yes, that's the one. The uh, the endorphins. It's just like it, it, people so get addicted to going to the gym for the same thing. Yeah, and they or get a hit it, from it. Or eating carbs and correct. There's a, there's a lot more natu- um, things we consider natural, which mm, are endorphin producing in correct. the same way that, that drugs are. And so that's yes, you're right. I mean, that's you why really, people get th- uh, addicted to thrills. Yeah, exactly. And driving cars, fast cars, are exactly the same. Mm. You know, especially if it's a you know if it's a historic Formula One car, and you you know, and it's fast, and it's you know, it gives you a real buzz. Mm. But um, so I uh, yeah, so I did that for all of those years, and we did a lot of stuff. And then I thought, right, time is now. Um, right to move on. He employed somebody that I didn't really get on with. And so I said to Mr. E, you know, you let him have his go and, and yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be here if you need me, which he did on occasions. Um, um, sadly, it didn't work out for, for the bloke that took over, but um, for other reasons. And, um, and um, so uh, I started my own business, Curated Vehicle Management, which uh, I was very pleased of the name. Actually, it was quite. I, I thought it was quite good. So I, um, I manage small collections for people. Quite a lot of collectors will have ten cars, five or ten cars. Mm. Um, and if you have, you know, three or four classic cars, which a lot of people do, you've also got usually two road cars. You've probably got a caravan or a motorhome or something else. Yeah. You've probably got. Uh, you know, you might have a horse box. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of times, these people you are working... A, you might have a couple of bikes about on a, a, winnie, of bikes, and a, and a winnie bag. Oh. Correct. <laughs> and so what I found is that there were people who had these things and were working all of the time or flying away and working, um, especially if they had 10 or 15 classic cars, right. and they didn't keep on top of them. And so my idea is that I go to their motor house... I inspect the vehicles, I check their documentation, the insurance, make sure that they've got the right insurance and make sure they've got the most cost-effective insurance because that's not always so It's almost case. like mini-fleet management, isn't it? Kind of like mini-fleet for classic cars, for yeah. classic vehicles. But I, what I wanted was for them to come home, be able to go into their motorhouse and get into something knowing that it would start, 
it would be legal, it would drive nice. Insured and... Insured, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Also, I can uh, oversee restorations because most of these people have got a couple of cars being restored. Mm. And I found with the clients that I've got, you know, when they're sitting in a hotel room somewhere bored, they think, God, wouldn't I like to talk about my old cars? Well, they don't want to be ringing up two or three different restoration companies, and they can't because of the time difference a lot of no. the time. But they can ring me up, and we can have a long, nice, uh, long chat, nice long chat about their cars. Because I will have inspected all of their restorations, and yeah. I will have notes on it, I can go, right, this is where we are with this one, blah, 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 blah. We need to pick a color. We need to... Are you, we're going to, you know, what they've discovered is the gearbox needs to come apart. So I'm afraid that's going to be that much money. Yep. I need your, I need your permission to get that done. Blah 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 blah. We can have a nice chat and a laugh, uh, and then they finish in the sitting there and think, God, I, I know everything there is to know about my car collection now, and that's great. Mm. And I know that it's being done. Yeah. And also, you know, um, some of these guys, can, you can take the hassle out of it because absolutely. Even if you've got the money, when things go wrong and things go, people think that people without money don't don't get stressed like ordinary people do, but they still do. Well, I think the stress levels are even more, even worse cause yeah. because they've got that. The, the more that results get things done, and, kind and of also, person. and also, there's more noughts on the end of it usually. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all right for us if we do something and we make a, a cock up and it costs us 150 quid. Mm. But if they make a cock up and it costs them 150,000, you know, that's a deal. That's yeah. a big deal. And so they don't want that. And also they don't want, you know, these guys have made their money. They've worked bloody hard, usually at the expense of their family. Yeah, they want to enjoy it. They want to enjoy it. They don't want to be here. They want somebody that can deal with all of that, ring them up. How are we doing with this? How are we doing with that? Great. Have a laugh. Yeah. Talk about their cars and know that the job was done. Bernie's secretary once said to me, um, she said, you know, that the thing is that Bernie has these people around him. And when he rings and says, I want you to do this, blah, 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 blah. She said, once he's put the phone down, as far as he's concerned, the job has been done. Yeah. And she said, when he rings you, he always knows the phone goes down, I don't even have to think about it because I know the job's done. And that's what these guys want. Yeah, I think that's the thing that rings true in any walk mm. of life. Yeah, for sure. I, I hate having to chase people. Well, and no one rings you back now. It's just a nightmare. And and everyone says, oh, I sent you an email. And you go, well, you didn't really, did you? You're just you're saying that. Or, mm. uh, or uh, you know, it, but people don't ring you back. And people don't write letters to say thank you no or and it's almost like when you do people are surprised you know they're amazed and yeah. you and you you ring them up and you go you send them a you know a, some flowers or a bottle of wine or something a little card thanks very much for your you know for putting me up or for taking me to the show or whatever whatever and they they go oh, bloody hell this guy's actually thanked me in yeah. writing you know, yeah, it I makes must, a difference i must admit i should maybe do more of that but I kind of went from being pestered by my parents to send thank you letters to, yeah, we all did that. to and doing it begrudgingly to being sort of in my early 20s when I didn't think it was an impo wasn't was important and never really got back to it but you're right it's a 
it's a lovely touch for well, people, it is nice. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Even my, just a, my wife just a has, short card. My wife is a top PA in the uh, banking business for many years, Banking Standards Authority and also with uh, aeroplane and, and ship leasing. And uh, she's a stickler for it. And it doesn't need much, a little tiny card, just a thank you note, thanks very much, blah 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 bang it in the post, it, and it makes such a massive difference. Mm. Um, and um, so that's kind of what I do now. I'm trying to, unfortunately, I started my business three weeks before we went into lockdowns. <laughs> that, was, right. that wasn't the best timing in the world. No. <laughs> but, you know, hey, we've, we've kept going. I've had a couple of good clients who've, um, uh, um, one of them, I said, look, you know, during lockdown, I, he lives in Canada. And I said, I, I, I can't get out. I can't do six days a month for you. Don't worry. He said, I'll keep paying you. Um, you keep on top of things by phone because it's stuff I can't do. So he says, call it a retainer. And, uh, and you know, that kept me afloat during the lockdown because mm. otherwise I would have been in uh, Yeah, in I, I was a bit like that because obviously my clients are mainly motor dealers, mm. but I managed to get a couple of other industries classic car world is uh was terribly buoyant during lockdown i spoke to i spoke to tom hartley jr uh and uh, who's a very high-end dealer and uh i said are you all right tom and he goes yeah yeah he said i'm he said it's great he said it's just like the old days he said i'm sat in my showroom on my own with my phone and my contact book and he said, I'm just ringing people and ringing, you know, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, I've got a thing that you might like. And he said, what I've discovered at these, these guys aren't spending the money and uh, they're bored. Yeah. So he said they want something to do. I don't know. That's well, uh, cool. I, I, everyone's spent money on things like that. I do a little bit of work for the DVLA license plate auction. Cool. So. I do the emailing, and I do. I've collected lots of contacts on LinkedIn, so I distribute things on there. And I got a little email from my sister saying, "Bloody social media!" I saw one of uh, your LinkedIn post tabs, and I bought myself a number plate. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't come to you for a discount then. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have got one because I, I just I'm just involved in the marketing, and even my contact there is just involved in. Yeah. The market, it's all gone through. But a, your through business has changed a lot. Marketing has changed enormously. Uh, a friend of ours just sold his business, and they did this. They do this uh, thing, you know, where you, if you Google um, ski holidays, all the advertising that pops up, all the pop-up advertisings, you know, you know, ski boots, uh, um, uh, equipment, holidays, blah 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 blah. And that was the thing that he was involved in. Oh, he the, said it, all it's all it changes the, by the almost by the minute. Yeah, and it's hard to know what's going to go on. I'm working in sort of a collaboration because of all the different technologies. Mm. Because a lot of people use them separately, and it's joining them up. Yeah, that really makes yeah. it effective. Yeah, it's everything has changed, and sometimes not for the better. Because when the com computers are great, but I say to my son all of the time, you know, this technology it promises so much, and it doesn't always deliver. It, 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 yeah. it you know, sometimes computers when it goes wrong, it's just so difficult, and oh, you can't talk no. to somebody, and then no one knows how to deal with it, and uh, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a complete nightmare. The good thing is that. You've got several devices. I think videos really improve people's lives. Well, it's been lovely talking to you. 
Yeah. Thank you very nice, much for inviting me. It'd be nice to get me. you back. I like your cufflinks. So, anybody that's uh, listening, I'm wearing some vintage MG cufflinks. I was given them by a friend of mine who was a dealer and years and years and years ago and it was a thing that they used to give to customers and uh, he had a box of of stuff and he gave them to me and i love them yeah yeah oh well anyway there you go yeah well it's been a joy it has i hope we we cross paths another time on a personal level but you're definitely a good podcast material thank you very much indeed We hope you enjoyed this episode of the official British Motor Show podcast for 2021, brought to you by the Podcast Guys. We hope to see you in 2022.